Father in heaven, we are just reminded that the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat of sinners, I'm sorry, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of scorners. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters. Father, we pray tonight that you would give us some leaves from the tree of life for the healing of the nations, that you would give us the gospel, that you would show us Christ. And as Jesus is lifted up, Lord, that our hearts may go out to him. We pray that you'll bless this man who is, who is nothing. And that somehow, Father, you would speak through him and speak to him, that we all may be changed. This is our prayer. And we trust that you will help this to be our experience. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Revelation chapter 16. Revelation chapter 16. I know you brought your Bibles. Amen. Okay, I see them. I see them. Praise God. Some of you have never seen you with the Bible. You've come with the Bible tonight. God answers prayer. Revelation 16, we are in the sixth plague. And the Bible says this in verse 13. Are you there? Say amen. amen. If you're not there, say have mercy. Okay, some people are still getting there. If you don't have a Bible, say stop praying for me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Revelation 16, verse 13. The Bible says, and I saw three unclean what? Spirits. Like frogs. Come out of the mouth of the dragon. And out of the mouth of the beast. And out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of what? Demons or devils. If you have a King James Version. Performing signs or working miracles. Which go out to the kings of the earth. And of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Did you know that demons can work miracles? There was a story that I heard and ever since I heard this story, it has um, deeply moved my mind and my thoughts on this issue of miracles. And the story goes like this. This woman was an Adventist woman. And she had a friend who was Pentecostal, you know, speaking in tongues the whole night, dancing around the church. And as um, her friend would always invite her to their Pentecostal kind of camp meeting-esque events, and she would always say, no, 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 I can't, I can't come to the meeting. I'm not interested in that kind of stuff. And one day she got in a car accident, and as a result of the car accident, she was paralyzed from the waist down. So she's wheelchair-bound. She, I mean, even crutches are not going to work this out. So she has to be in a wheelchair. She used to live a very active life, and now she can't be active. And so her Pentecostal friend comes by to visit her, bring her flowers, and try to encourage her and visit, let her know it's going to be all right. And she says, you know, we have another one of our revivals coming up. You got to come out because people get 
their blessing. People get healed at these meetings. And so her Adventist friend thought about it, and she was like, I don't know. She says, look, what can it hurt? So she says, okay, fine, I'll come. So as they go out to the, the meeting, the preacher's, of course, going crazy. Ah! He's yelling, somebody's going to get their blessing tonight. And then all of a sudden he says, you, sister, in the wheelchair, come up front. God wants to heal you today, right? And she's like, oh, no, here we go. She's like, I don't believe in this. This stuff is all false. It's all televangelists. Get you to send in your money, $19.99 for this holy water, and you'll get your blessing. And so she's like, this stuff is always absurd. It's left field. But he keeps calling her, sister, come get your blessing. Come get your blessing. And everyone starts speaking in tongues, and finally they, start, they get behind her wheelchair, and her friend starts rolling her up front. And she's like, oh, my goodness. She's like, why are you doing this? I don't want to do this. So she rolls her up to the front, and there's the preacher. And he's like, listen, sister, if you have faith, Jesus is going to heal you tonight. And so she looks at him, and obviously she wants to be healed. But at the same token, this Pentecostal thing, she's just like, I know there's nothing to this. People fake it all the time. And so he says, listen, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Bam. And he touches her head. She feels this force come into her body, and she stands up. Out of the wheelchair. And she starts walking around. People start yelling, screaming, ah, doing all this stuff. She goes home. People start buying her different shoes, jogging shoes, running shoes, basketball shoes, tennis shoes, heels, whatever. She's like, girl, you can walk. You need to show this thing. This is a blessing. And so while she's there, she goes to her church, Seventh-day Adventist church, and she meets her pastor. And word gets around that she went to a Pentecostal camp meeting and she got healed. And so the pastor says, hey, sister, can I talk to you after church today? Got to praise God for pastors. So she comes into the office, and she's thinking, yeah, pastor, what's going on? He says, you know, um, I heard about your story. This is amazing, you know, and, and clearly, you know, you're, you're ecstatic. You're excited about this. And then he opened the Bible to Revelation chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. And he says, you know, the devil can work miracles as well. And he says, I'm not telling you this is from the devil, but this is what I'm going to ask you to do as your pastor. Because I, I, I know you don't want anything with the devil, because whatever the devil gives, he definitely wants something in return. He doesn't give you stuff for free. That's just not how Satan works. So she goes home, she's a little bit troubled, and she's like, what's wrong with my pastor? I mean, why can't he celebrate with me? But as she's sleeping, it keeps turning in her mind and turning in her mind, and she's like... I don't want anything from the devil, would you? I don't want nothing from the devil. So before she goes to sleep, she prays and she says, Lord, if this is not from you, if this is from the devil, I don't want it. If it's from you, then let me continue to walk. In Jesus' name, hardest prayer she ever prayed in her life. Amen. She went to sleep. She wakes up in the morning and as soon as she wakes up, to get up, pain shoots through her legs. She paralyzed again. Her Pentecostal friend came by, 
Girl, come on, we got to get up. We're going to go for a run today. We're going to celebrate the blessing of these legs that God has given you. She says, I can't walk. She's like, what are you talking about? You can't walk. God healed you, girl. You better have faith. Get out of bed. She's like, no, I literally cannot move my legs. So as she talks to her friend, she tells her the story. She says, listen, my pastor told me even the devil can work miracles. And I prayed. And I told God, if this is from the devil, take it away. And I woke up and I couldn't walk. And her Pentecostal friend said, your pastor is from the pits of hell. The reason why you're not walking is because you doubted God. It's because you didn't have enough faith. So God took his blessing away. I'm like, really, Jesus does that? (laughs) I tell you this story to say every miracle is not from God. But to even go to a more basic question, what is a miracle? What is a miracle? The word miracle, it comes from the Latin word mirari. Can you say that? Mirari, M-I-R-A-R-I, mirari. It means wonder. You know the look on the child's face, if you ever read a, a, a fantasy book to a young child before? And as you're reading to them, right, you're, you're going through Cinderella or something, and they're like, and then it was almost midnight. And at midnight, Cinderella's coach would turn into a what? A pumpkin. And the little kid is like, and let's see what happens next. <laughs> and the kid is like, it turned into a pumpkin. <laughs> you're right, you're right. And so this, this issue of wonder, this is what a, a miracle is, something that causes Wonder. But even more deeper than this is C.S. Lewis wrote a book on miracles. And he basically dealt with the fact that there's people in the world who are called naturalists. What are they called? Naturalists. And there's people in the world called supernaturalists. What are they? So you got the first one was? The other one is? Very good. So now a naturalist believes that What you see, nature, is all that there is. In other words, when we talk about a miracle, we're talking about something that is supernatural. say, what do you mean? Something that, follow this definition of natural, that which comes of its own self. Sounds very technical, right? That which comes of its own self. Can you say that sentence? That which comes... Of its own self is what? Natural. So a naturalist believes that everything that happens came because of nature. There's nothing supernatural that means outside of nature that acts in nature. (laughs) Are you still following me? You're not lost in the sauce. So now you have the naturalist and the supernaturalist. And so when we talk about the word natural... This technical definition is what we mean, that which comes of its own self. Let me explain. You see, just to use a couple sentences to illustrate how we use the word natural, right? So let's just say, right, you went to an old lady and you said, excuse me, are those your natural teeth? I don't recommend you do this, but when I, when I ask that question, what am I asking? Are the teeth in your mouth what? What do you mean real? 
from your own self, right? The ones that grow through your gums, not the ones you kind of pop in, pop out, right? I hope nobody has those in this room. Please forgive me (laughs) if you do. (laughs) But the case in point is, are those your natural teeth? Another statement we could use is, you know, a guy is going to meet his girlfriend's or fiance's parents, right, for the first time. And so while he's going there to meet his girlfriend's parents for the first time, they're walking up the porch steps and he can sense, she can sense that he's a little bit nervous about meeting her dad. And you should be nervous. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and so as he's walking up to the door, the girlfriend turns to him and she says, Honey, just be natural. What is she saying? I heard someone say, act normal, be yourself, which means act as if the fact that you're meeting my dad does not change your behavior. Are you following that? If you are your natural self, you're acting as if nothing external to you will shape how you behave. Are you still with this? So in the same sense, when we talk about that which is natural, that which comes of its own self, nothing externally happening, which means this, right? If a man steps out onto water, what will naturally happen? He will sink, right? Yes or no? So when Jesus stepped out on water and he started walking, he was working a what? A supernatural or a miracle, right? This is not what naturally happens, right? This is not what comes of its own self. There must be some power outside of nature acting right now. Are you still with me? This is very, very important for the sermon tonight, that you understand this concept. Natural versus supernatural. So now, turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. We're going to go back there again tonight, and we're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 13. Jeremiah chapter 13. And we're going to look in verse 23. So please remember what we just talked about, about miracles and natural and supernatural. It will make all the difference in the sermon. All the difference. Jeremiah 13 verse 23. Are you there? Say amen. If you're not there, say have mercy. Okay, some people are still turning. Or they just said have mercy just to say have mercy. Is that what you did, Olivia? I'll blot your name out from the recording, I promise. (laughs) So, Jeremiah 13, verse 23. The Bible says this. Can the Ethiopian change his what? Skin. Or the leopard its spots? Then may you also do good who are accustomed to doing what? Evil. The one thing I loved about this verse is when I went to Ethiopia to preach for the very first time, I was like, I have to preach on this verse in Ethiopia. So when I got up and my translator is standing there and we read the text, right? He starts smiling when he's, when he's interpreting what I'm saying. And I said, I have to preach this in Ethiopia because the Bible says, can the Ethiopian change his skin? Or the leopard, it spots. So now, let's pause and analyze the question a little bit. When he says, can the Ethiopian change his skin? He's not asking, will the Ethiopian change his skin? 
This is not a question of does he want to change his skin. He's not saying should he change his skin. This is not a question of Michael Jackson or whatever. Should a person change the color of their skin? And the reason why I make this statement is this. In the very verse itself, he says, can the Ethiopian change? So this is a question of ability. A question of what? Can he change his skin is the question. Or you turn to the leopard. Can the leopard change its spots? What's the answer to that question? Can the Ethiopian change his skin? No. So in other words, when, when people are born, right, it'd be nice if while you were in the womb, right before its delivery day, they kind of come there with a little, you know, hanger rack of different skin tones. They're like, okay, Sebastian, it is uh, your birthday today. It's time for you to get out the womb. What do, what do you think? Hmm, you know, I like, I, like the, I like the Middle Eastern tone. But, you know, I'm, I'm feeling the Ghana, you know, maybe a little bit lighter than that. And so we get to choose, right, what our skin tone is. Anybody have that experience? <laughs> Before I came out, I decided. No, 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 no. The fact of the matter is, by the time you realize you had dark or light or whatever tone of skin... You already had it by the time you realized it. And so in this question, can the Ethiopian change his skin? The question of ability, we say, no, his skin came upon him. How was that? I heard it naturally, right? It came of its own self. Yes or no? So if the boy just grows up, right, he says, look, my parent, my father is Ethiopian, my mother's Ethiopian, their skin is a little bit darker. Therefore, when I'm born, what kind of skin am I going to have? A little bit darker. That's just natural. And in this question, can the Ethiopian change his skin? Or the leopard, it spots. Notice the issue is the external, the skin, the spots. This is all external to the individual. Can you change this external element of your life? Is what he's asking. Your skin. No. Then notice what the rest of the verse says. He says, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard its spots? The clear answer to the question is no. So then he says, then may you also do good, who are accustomed to doing evil. So he says, okay, it is as easy for you to stop doing evil when you are accustomed to doing evil as it is for the Ethiopian to change his skin. It is as easy for you who has been in the habit of lying to stop lying as it is for the leper to change its spots. If the Ethiopian wanted to change his skin, or the leopard wanted to change its spots, it would take a what? A miracle. Yes? It would take some power outside of himself. Would it not? Yes or no? So now, in analyzing this, the Bible says in Jeremiah, this is an indictment on the people of God. That they are so accustomed to doing evil, they have such a tendency in them towards the wrong, that he says, it will take a miracle for you to do good. 
It takes a power outside and above yourself in order for you to do good. What that means for us, you and I tonight, is that there are some things that many of you don't do naturally. Many of you don't naturally want to pray. Am I telling the truth? Yes or no? Many of you do not naturally want to study the Bible. Is that not true? Of your own self, right? There may be some of you that, you know, I just, I just love studying the Bible. But there's some of us who are like, it takes a lot of effort to get me to open the book, sit down, get the time, turn off the phone, quiet down the room, don't respond to the activity around me, and focus on God's Word to study for 10 minutes. It takes an enormous amount of effort to get some of us to go out and share the gospel with someone. We just don't naturally want to go up to strangers. You know, my younger brother, TJ, he naturally wants to talk to strangers. The Lord had to call me into ministry because I don't like to talk to people. I really have no interest in talking to people. And if it wasn't for the fact that God made me a Christian and called me into the church and into ministry, I wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't do it. But my brother, I brought him to GYC. He wasn't even Adventist yet. He's just walking around the whole conference. Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm like, TJ, do you know him? No, no I, don't. I never met her before. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, you're pointing at her, shaking her hand, giving her a hug. Like, you've known this girl for 10 years and like you guys just reconnected. Yeah, yeah, I know, man. I know. Ha, ha, ha. Right? I was like, okay. Then we pass her. We go to the next one. Hey, what's going on, man? Yeah, what's up? Hey, do you know him? No, I don't know him. Because my brother naturally wants to talk to strangers. I do not. It takes effort. When you're just sitting there at the gas station, or you're at the grocery store line, or you're there on the train or on the subway, and the Holy Spirit is like, hey, man, you should really talk to that lady. You got that glow track in your pocket. I'm telling you, man, that glow track feels so heavy. It's like, nah, man, it's too deep in my pocket. Like, you know. <laughs> There's just no way I can get to it in time. She looks like she's getting off at the next stop. I'm over here telling the Holy Spirit, nah, man, this is not going to work. I'm a preacher. Now you give me that same lady in an evangelistic series, I'll preach my heart out. But you put her next to me on the train, I just turn into that little poodle, you know. Uh, um, hi, ma'am, how are you doing? Um, this is a... Uh, just something to encourage you. Oh, thank you. Oh, yes, okay. All right, great. <laughs> Blessings. Um, this is my stop. <laughs> it's like. And I know angels must laugh at me. They're like, oh, Mr. Big Bad Preacher Man. <laughs> Shaking on the train. <laughs> Why are you so nervous? Because this is not natural for me. Just like for some of you, if someone told you you're doing the next week of prayer. Some of you would start shaking. Um, I was not supposed to be doing this. Um, this is clearly a mistake. Amen. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> sit out. <laughs> is that not true? Some of you say, this is clearly a mistake. They had your name. You would say, this is clearly a mistake. And I would tell you right now, if I walked into a church and they had my name, 
listed for special music. This is clearly a mistake. <laughs> My wife's name is Candice Braxton, not Sebastian. You confused? No, 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 no. We have you down for... No, 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 no. You don't understand. Can I talk to you over here for a second? And the reason why I'm saying this is, I'm not trying to be funny, but we're laughing because we identify. Yes or no? We're like, I felt that before. I've been on the train, I've been at the gas station, I've been next to the person, the Holy Spirit's like, witness to that guy. No, no, no. <laughs> witness me? No. Because it's not natural. But you see, if we move to deeper things, less humorous, more painful, like evil habits, like drugs, like lying, like pornography, like hatred and anger, like jealousy, like pride. It is as easy for you to overcome jealousy as it is for the Ethiopian to change his skin. It will take a miracle. We need a power outside of ourselves. And a lot of times you may wonder, as I used to wonder, Lord, why is it that you continue to let me keep falling? Why is it that you continue to let me to repeat the same sins to be accustomed to doing evil when you get to the point where you have a habit that's a bad habit and you do it so much you stop thinking about it. You actually start planning your sins. Somebody know what I'm talking about. You're planning it. You may be sitting in this week of prayer but some of you are thinking about the sin you're going to commit and when you're going to commit it. Yeah, this week of prayer is a blessing, man, but I can't wait till... And this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. And I'm plotting to figure out how I can't get caught. That is basic to human nature. Natural. Of our own selves. And the Bible says, you and I need a power outside of ourselves. And God continues to let us fail and fail, and fall, and fail, until we recognize, I need, finish it for me, a miracle. I need a miracle. I don't naturally want to study the Bible, I don't naturally want to pray, I don't naturally want to witness, I don't naturally want to stop doing this thing. If you left me alone... You didn't put me in academy. You didn't tell me to go to chapel. You didn't tell me, hey, I have to go to Bible class. Many of you would never pick up the Bible. In your natural element, assuming no externals to your life, what would you do with your time? How long would it take for you to be separated from the Word of God before you realize, man, I need a miracle to come to study this thing? How many times do we have to fall into the same sin before we recognize, Lord, I need power outside of me. There is nothing in me. And Jeremiah is saying, listen to me. O house of Israel, 
you may do good as soon as the Ethiopian can change his skin. You know, there is a law in physics, one of the laws of motion. And it says an object in motion will stay in motion unless what? Acted upon by an outside and has to be at least equal, right? So some outside force, if nothing acts upon this thing, it will what? Continue in motion. And it seems as if God is saying here in Jeremiah, you and I, we are in a sinful motion. And unless we're acted upon by some external force, we will continue and stay in motion. And so you can sit down and ask yourself, what is the greatest miracle in the Bible? What is the greatest manifestation of some external power coming in to change that which is completely natural? And in the words of Desire of Ages, the greatest miracle is a changed life. Is a changed life. But she also says, and please listen very carefully to me. Wherever, wherever the principle is held that man can save himself or woman can save herself by his own works, there is no barrier to sin. There's only two religions in the world, John Calvin's cousin told him. The belief that only Christ can save. And the belief that man can save himself by his own works. So in this passage, right here in Jeremiah 13, is the dividing line. Are you a naturalist? Are you a supernaturalist? Do you believe you have it in yourself to change your own life? Do you believe that the power comes from within you? Of my own self, I can do this. Or do you believe I need a power outside of myself to come inside? Listen to me. I'm going to get real, real with you tonight. I'm going to tell you why I'm a Christian. Because I hated Christians. They're all hypocrites. I probably said that at least five times a day. They're all hypocrites. You live a double life. And I've told some of you this personally myself. Here I was, secular, completely worldly, had people who were Christian, and I was going to school in Atlanta, down in Georgia, the Bible Belt. People just walk up to you on the street. Are you saved, brother? Am I saved from what? I'm perfectly fine. No, are you saved by Jesus Christ? Are you blessed and highly favored? Um, yeah, you just need to get up on my face. <laughs> That's all right. I'm going to pray for you, son. Pray for me. And people would say, why are you so angry with Christianity? Why are you so angry with Christians? I say, let me tell you why. Because Christians will try to preach to you. They'll try to come to my face in high school. And these guys, girls be sitting in front of the senior class. Guys, 
I know we're graduating. I know this is a public high school, but we need to come to God, man. We need to come together as a class. We need to pray. We need to seek the Lord. And I'm thinking to myself, this is the same girl who was at the party last night, dancing on some guy's lap. This is the same guy who was on his way into the prayer meeting, was bumping Jay-Z outside in his car with his new rims on his, on his car and his little speakers in the back. Talking about weeping before me. You have the boldness and the audacity to come in my face and tell me to give my life to Jesus while you're doing what I'm doing? At least I know that I'm wicked. And so for me, there's no way. God knew there was no way through a Christian. (laughs) Through a Christian, he was going to bring me into the church. You'd have to be living a spotless life. But the irony is, God used a person who was a backslidden Christian. That's the irony of the, my whole experience. Because I'll tell you why. I was dating a girl who was Christian. Started dating a girl who was Christian. And when I was dating this girl, we were sleeping together. But at the same time, I was going through my introduction into Christianity. So I'm reading the Bible for the very first time. And it doesn't take long before you're reading the Bible, you get to Exodus chapter 20. And right there says, thou shalt not commit adultery. I'm like, adultery, isn't that just for like married people? Like, you know, don't be sleeping around when you're married. But before you're married, but you know, I'm I'm a diligent researcher. So the Holy Spirit was working on my mind. So I went and studied it. I'm like, no, this commandment isn't just about when you're married, it's even when you're single. So I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling over these terms in my mind, and I'm about to see my girlfriend. So I'm like, hey, um, I've been reading the Bible. She's the Christian. We can't be sleeping together anymore. What do you think she's going to say? Oh, yeah, no problem. Of course. Yeah, I mean, you, you want to follow God. This is the irony of the situation. It doesn't turn me off. So then I I listen to the message of righteousness by faith. That there's nothing I can do to save myself. That Christ can give you and I the power over any and every temptation today. I'm like, this is crazy. And as I'm listening to the sermon, the preacher's like, listen, brother, when you're struggling... When you're battling with temptation, why do we wait to talk to God after we have failed? After the guilt hit us and now we're in prayer, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, I shouldn't have done this. He says, look, talk to God right then. Right in the temptation. Don't wait. And so I'm listening to this sermon. I'm like, man, this is powerful. So now I'm thinking, yeah, I'm ready, man. I'm going to be super Christian, righteousness by faith, man. My girlfriend comes over the next day. Fall. I'm like, uh, okay, maybe that was just like a little hiccup. I wasn't depending on the Lord correctly. So I, you know, she comes over the next day, fall again. I'm like, okay, Lord, maybe I should avoid <laughs> this, this kind of situation. So a couple of days go by and my girlfriend says, hey, can I come by on Sunday? I'm like, absolutely. Come by on Sunday, right? My whole family's going to be around. For sure, nothing's going to happen. So Friday, 
I get a little note when I wake up in the morning from my stepmom. She says, oh, took the kids to visit grandma. We'll be back in a week. It's you and your dad. But I'm like, at least my dad's coming home. Saturday, I wake up. My dad leaves me a note on the fridge. Continuing education. Gone for two weeks. House to yourself. I'm like, man, the devil is setting me up. (laughs) Setting me up. So Sunday rolls around. My girlfriend's like, yeah, I'm going to leave in an hour. She lives about 40 minutes away from me. So I, I get that sermon. Righteousness. I pop that thing in. I listen to it as many times as I could. Maybe I just need to hear it some more. So as I keep listening to that sermon, she arrives, right? I'm on edge. She comes in the house. Hey, how you doing? You know, hug, whatever. Go down to the room. And at first, you know, I'm sitting on the bed watching TV. She's doing her homework. Then she tries to move to the bed. So I move to the floor. Then she moves to the floor, so I go to the next room. Then she, moves to, then, I move to, then she moves to the next room, then I go upstairs. you never seen a person avoiding their girlfriend like I was. And the reason why is because I wanted to be faithful. I don't want to keep falling. So eventually, she got tired of the cat and mouse game. So she said, okay, I'm going to go. It's my sister's birthday. And I thought, okay, cool, whatever. Jumped up, started packing her stuff for her. This is great. I'm going to have a day where I actually overcame. That's what I thought. So as I'm packing her stuff, she decides, no, no, no. This is not going to happen. So she becomes a little aggressive. That's the word I will use. (laughs) And I'm like... I'm like, okay, I'm 6'1", 185, 190, Marine. This girl is five feet. There's no way she's going to make me. <laughs> That's all I will say. So as, the, as we're going back and forth, we start having a dialogue. And I'm like, listen, this is wrong. Here is the unchristian telling the Christian. This is wrong. We shouldn't be doing this. And the words coming out of her mouth... As if the devil himself was speaking. She says, come on, just this one time. Just this one time. Your parents aren't home. Your siblings aren't home. They're going to be gone for two weeks. Just this one time. You know how many people lost their virginity because of that statement? Just this one time. You know how many people are addicted to drugs because of that one statement? Just this one time. You know how many people are in prison for killing a person just this one time? And as we kept going back and forth, back and forth, I'm pushing this girl literally physically away from me. It came to a point where I said, Lord, I can't resist this temptation forever. You're going to have to do something. Heard nothing. And eventually I thought, you know what? What's the point in fighting? Might as well just yield, get this thing over with, be done with it. Maybe there's nothing wrong with this. See, immediately when we feel like Christianity is not delivering, we start questioning what we believe. Maybe my theology is off. Maybe, you know, there's some sins we just have to learn to live with, and Jesus covers that with his blood. 
And so at that moment in time, the Holy Spirit brought the sermon back to my mind. And he said, talk to God in the middle of the temptation. So instead of focusing on dealing with her, I started talking to God. In my mind, I said, Lord, please, if you do not help me, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fall, and I don't want to fall. And I heard nothing. Complete silence. And just when I was about to yield, God is my witness. All of a sudden, I feel this power come over my physical body. And as this power came over my physical body, I lost all sexual desire in that moment. I pushed this girl off me another few minutes. She finally stops. She starts crying. And then her next words are, I think I'm possessed with the demon. I'm like, man, I just got into this Christian thing. (laughs) I'm dating a girl possessed with the demon. She's like, I think I'm possessed. We need to pray right now. So we start praying. Few hours. <laughs> then after that, she's like, hey, you know, maybe, maybe we should break up. Yeah, maybe we should break up. <laughs> you think you're possessed? I think I'm good. <laughs> and so, as we have that dialogue, I start walking her to the car. Amen, because don't let people stay. The temptation will come back. So it's time to go. So we start walking her to the car. She's like, are you sure you're going to be all right? Because here is the Christian trying to pressure the unchristian man to sleep together. And the Christian man, the unchristian man is like, no, this is wrong. So in her mind, she's like, I just completely destroyed my witness. Destroyed it. So she turns to me. She says, are you sure you're okay? I'm like, look, I'll be perfectly fine. Have a good night. Here's your stuff. And I came back into my house. There was no one home but me. And I sat on my bed. And I said, this Christianity stuff is for real. I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to be a Christian. Because I felt... The power of God. Deliver. God worked a miracle. A power came in to my life and helped me to do that which I was unable to do on my own. That's what righteousness by faith is all about. Is God, Jesus, doing for us that which we cannot do for ourselves? That's what it's about. Anytime you think you can't do something yourself, think this message right now. That means I need a miracle. And guess what? The Gospels are full of what? Miracles. To show you what Jesus is willing to do. Hey, this man has a withered hand. Lord, I have a withered faith. This woman has an issue of blood. I got an issue of lust. Just the touch of faith. Jesus is willing to work miracles. He's willing to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Lazarus cannot raise himself from the grave. 
The blind man cannot give himself sight. Every miracle was teaching us the principle of Jeremiah 13. You and I need a power outside of ourselves. And Jesus is that power. He is the one, but He's not just the one, He's the only one. There is no other help, no other place. Try it. Buddha won't help you. Muhammad won't help you. Krishna won't help you. Go to Baha'i, go to Shinto, go to spiritualism, go to martial arts. You can go there, it will not help you. At the very depths of man, you are accustomed to doing evil. And there's only one power. One. That's Christ. Do you need a miracle tonight? Every time you say to yourself, I can't do this. This is not natural for me. Too often, high school students and teenagers say, I want it to be natural. I want to feel like I want to study the Bible before I start studying the Bible. You're playing games. You will never feel like it. We don't understand our condition. We do not naturally seek after God of our own selves. No one can come to me except the Father draws him. Period. Your desires for spiritual things, for prayer, for Bible study, for hanging out, for talking about things, that didn't come from you. It came from the Holy Spirit. That's evidence that He's working in your life. And that's a miracle. So tonight, I ask you again, do you need a miracle? This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.